the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Isn't it amazing how Scripture and song admonish our hearts and remind us who Christ is? Amen? I trust it lifted your heart, your spirit, your soul this evening. You know, I've been in the development world for 25 years, and one of the things that often happens in development is you get a chance to, to really meet some really fun people. Uh, I was picking on Tim earlier. Tim was, I was working one day, and Tim was drinking coffee. We were at the mall waiting to meet a, to meet a donor, and, and it doesn't matter where I go with Tim Capadia, we're going to meet someone famous. That's just the way it is. We're sitting there waiting for the donor. Tim's drinking his coffee, taking selfies. And who walks up but Dennis Rodman? So if you know anything about basketball, Dennis Rodman was in the, he played in the same era I did back in the 80s. So every, you, know, you know who Dennis Rodman was. So Tim, like, instantly stops drinking his coffee and is like, that's Dennis Rodman. Let's go talk to him. So we get up and we, we you know, we were cool. Hey, De and Dennis and I are about the same height. So we're talking. So I go introduce myself. Hey, Dennis, how are you? And, and there's Tim like, oh, here's Tim. <laughs> here's Tim. <laughs> but so often in development where you get to meet some really fun people, just I don't know why that is, but if you do events, enough events at different times, you get to interview people, and, and I love that environment. I love to be able to sit and, and talk, and I was thinking as I was thinking about tonight and just kind of rehearsing people that I've had the privilege of interviewing in a, in a, in a context. I got to spend time, I'll stay in the basketball team theme for a minute, I got to interview and talk with David Robinson one time, and I felt like Tim, because David's 7'2". But just a chance for him to share his testimony, what God had done in his life, and into the, the dinner we were at, and, and uh, he was sharing that. And I had a chance to spend the day with John Wooden and, and before he passed and just ask him a whole lot of questions about what was it like to be, I mean, probably the greatest basketball coach ever in the collegiate level for sure. And he talked about his great awards and his trophies, and, and, he, and he always um, – he said, you know, John, this is my favorite award I ever won, and it was this academic All-American from Purdue University. And I thought about that. Man, it was fun to, to meet him. And I had a chance, the privilege one time, to interview, interview Laura Bush um, just after they had left the, the, the White House and just a chance to talk to her and, and in front of a crowd to ask her a bunch of fun questions about what was it like to be the first lady, what's George really like, you know, when nobody else is around, she shared some fun stories that way. But, but if I, as I thought through all these people that I've interviewed over time, in the whether athlete, athletes or, it dawned on me that my most enjoyable time is to just interview people who aren't world-known entities or people, but just the people that make things happen in an organization, behind the scenes. That's why I love to set you up today with the, with the, because you saw behind the scenes. So tonight I thought it would be fun to interview two people, and I have to stop this because I'm going to get into a bad habit of referring to myself in the third person, which is kind of weird. But uh, tonight I thought I'd start with uh, to interview 
uh, Rob McIntyre. Rob, come on up, join me here. We're going to sit on stage. We've got a couple of bar stools up here. Um, Rob, come on up. Did he? Yeah, I knew he'd have a microphone with him. He walks everywhere with a microphone, if you yeah, know, Rob. Usually I'm back there, though, working them. <laughs> I'm not up here. But I just thought it would be fun to get to know Rob McIntyre uh, just from a, just on a personal level. Um, I'm getting a chance to share how he ended up at Hume Lake Christian Camps, but I think more importantly, uh, I love to hear the story of how Christ first touched your heart and drew you unto himself. So Rob, share with us a little bit of how, as much or as little of the story as you want to tell. Um, so grew up, uh, Christian family. Uh, I went to church the week after I was born. <laughs> um, so, um, my grandfather's mother, uh, founded a church in Riverside that's now the Grove Community Church, uh, down there. And so I'd been a part of that forever. Um, growing up in the church and, and, uh, just running around under the pews playing hide and seek, um, you learn a few things over time, but really what did it for me and solidified my relationship with Christ was moving out of the house. Um, I took off and went to Orlando for a year to do trade school, and that's where I started to own it. Um, it's, it's a different thing when you don't have mom and dad looking over your shoulder, and um, I, I was like, you know what, this is, I'm on my own. I have decisions to make, and it just hit me. It's just, it's me and Christ now. That's our relationship. And, um, yeah, that was, that was when I really, truly started owning it. Um, yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, that was 93. So I was, I was born in 71. I turned 50 this year. Um, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's not according to my kids. <laughs> according to my kids, I'm, I'm out in the pasture already. So, so tell us about your kids, family, yeah. wife. Yeah, so my wife and I have been married 27 years. Uh, we got married young. And um, I have a 23-year-old son that is at Fort Hood, Texas, in the Army. He's been in there five years, and so far it looks like he's going to make it a career. We'll see. Um, that's my oldest son. My middle son is Robbie. Uh, my middle son, Seth. Um, he is a helicopter pilot, so he's in the process of going through school for that. He has about 60 hours left, and he'll have his commercial pilot's license. And um, so he's living in Riverside with my mom and uh, going to school down there. And then my daughter, Natalie, my youngin, um, she's 19. She's in Arkansas, and she's at the Paul Mitchell School for Hair Design. So she's going to go into cosmetology and all that fancy salon stuff I know nothing about. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, doing good. And, uh, we moved up here to Hume. See, my oldest son was a freshman in 2012. And the reason, one of the reasons we moved up here, um, is I really wanted my kids to be able to run and just enjoy just being out. Um, we were in a city, small town, there wasn't much for them to do. And Hume as a community is just tremendously awesome for kids. Um, my son got his archery instructor's license, and my other kid, you know, my son, my middle son, learned to ride a dirt bike up here with Scott Hartman and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of the guys. The cool thing is, that a lot of the guys here, if someone has a hobby, 
my son got interested in it. I go, oh, this guy does it, you know, and take him out, and they'll go and teach him how to ride, you know. So they're all out there at dirt. I don't think he's missed a dirt yet. Um, so, yeah, it's fun. It's an amazing place to raise a family. So, yeah. Tell us where you went on your first date. When you first saw your wife, tell us a little bit about her, <laughs> how you met her, how she swept you off your feet. Uh, share a little bit of the story of how you met your wife and uh, where at and any other yeah. details that yeah. you care to share with us. Very good. Yeah, my wife, Corrine, uh, she works in programs. She's a program assistant. And uh, she was my little sister's friend, right? So she was always the one I was like, oh, there's no way I'd ever date her. She's gross. You know, she's my little sister's friend. And, <laughs> and it, I mean, really, honestly, right? Well, all of a sudden, those friends grow up, and they're they're kind of cute. And uh, my my best friend Billy and I, I've known him since we were little. We grew up in the same church together. He took her out on a date, and uh, we got back, and and I said, "Hey, how'd the date go?" And he goes, "Oh man, she's she's an awesome girl. Uh, she's not my type, but she's perfect for you." And I'm like, "What what does that mean? Like what 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 is that? What is that? And, and, yeah, right." And and I go, "Well." I said, I, you know, I don't know. And uh, the next Sunday at church, um, it's all the youth used to sit, you know, big church. We'd sit over in a group together as youth, right? She comes walking in the door across, and she was wearing this red dress. I tell you what, knock you off your feet. I looked over. I was like, who is that? In church? Yeah, in church. Oh, it was beautiful. No, it was it was a modest. It was appropriate church. It was just. It was I didn't just mean to imply that. No, no. It was just it was a bright red dress. And she comes walking. I go, Who is that? And he goes, That's Kareen. That's what I was telling. I'm like, What? No way. And two weeks later we went out on our first date. I took her to TGI Fridays, because you know, in high school, that's that's high end. You know, <laughs> that's you go fancy, you go to TGI Fridays. Um, so yeah, we did that and um we dated about a year and a half. And uh I started getting real serious and started talking about, hey, you know, someday it would be fun if we got married. You know, it would be kind of cool. And uh, she goes, no, 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 no. You're the first guy I've, made, I've dated. I need to go date other people. And she broke up with me. <laughs> and that was that. And I was like, what's going on? And uh, so she dated a couple other people. And, and about a year later, I was headed off to go to school. And I said, hey, I said, I really, I said, I think you're the one. I think you're super cute. And we started dating again. And at that point, a long-distance relationship, she was in Riverside, and I was in Orlando, Florida. She wrote me a letter every single day for a year. Every single day I got a met. And, she, I mean, long-distance phone calls at that point were, what, 15 cents a minute, whatever it was. She, she got a job just so she could pay her phone bill and so, so we could talk on the phone. And uh, it was, yeah, that was it. And, uh, yeah, I got back from school, and uh, we got married, and I got a job two weeks before we got married. So I had no job. I was working as a janitor at church, kind of just piecemeal. But I got a job in a studio two weeks before we got married, and away we went. 27 years later, here we are. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's a good one. Definitely a keeper. So you went to Florida, mm -hmm. yeah. trade school or tech school, yep. or to do what? Yeah, so um, I, I had a... I grew up playing instruments, played trombone for 14, 15 years, piano, singing the church choir, that kind of thing. I had a band director uh, do one of the most brutal things I've ever heard. Um, he got wind that I wanted to be a professional trombone player, and he pulled me aside one day, and he goes, he goes, look, I've done this. He goes, you're not going to be a professional trombone player. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, what? You know, I'm eight, 
eighth grade, I'm crushed, right? I'm, I'm dead. And he pulls this magazine out of his back pocket, and it's called Mix Magazine. He goes, you'd be awesome at this. And I opened it up. I go, what is this? He goes, this is how records get made. And it, was, and it was all the great studios, a magazine about the great studios of the world. I'm like, this is incredible. This is how music gets made. And that was it. I was hooked. Eighth grade on, I knew what I was going to do for a living. And um, we grew up in a very, very modest income house. And um, so I graduated high school. I went to work at UPS for three years. And I saved every dime I had. So this is my four-year college plan. I work for three years like a dog, do everything I can. Uh, did community college, and then took all that money, and I went to a trade school in Florida and uh, got a degree, certificate degree in recording, and then went back to L.A. and got a job in a studio, and I did that for it was 11 years, 93 to 2006. Uh, I was in a recording studio. What's it like to be in a recording studio? Tell us, explain that to us, because for most of us, I don't know anybody works in a, in yeah. that industry it's uh, uh but i mean we all hear about the industry so 11 yeah. years give us yeah. kind of pull back the curtain a little bit for us it's um it's about the closest thing i to me it's about the closest environment to heaven on earth i i am i music to me is god wove it into my soul with without music i am i'm a wreck and and to be a part of creating something um, is 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 just an experience that I I just I treasure to this day. I mean, sitting over there in the studio and having a band in there, working on the summer theme films and all those kind. Of, it, it's it, time goes by and I don't even notice. I'll start at eight in the morning and it'll be two the next morning. I won't even know. It's it's just it's such a fun experience and it's. God made me specifically, I think, to do those kinds of things. Um, it for me, it's just fun. Oh, I got to uh, so the the company I worked for uh, is Music for Hire. So they would have five composers on staff, and Toyota would call up and they would go, "Hey, I need a thirty second commercial for this piece of music for this TV commercial." So they would all go write it. We would hire a band, and. Um, all the musicians would come in and play, and then we would record it, mix it, get it all sounding perfect, and then send it out, and they would put it on TV. Um, so it was, it was, we got to use the best players in the world. We would do, you know, like kind of a funk track, like a James Brown kind of thing, and we would hire Michael Jackson's band to come in and do it, and we would do orca orchestra stuff, and it was the LA Philharmonic, you know, and the the whole Phil is sitting there in front of you, and it's, you know, they're doing Wonder Bread jingles for this, but it's the L.A. Phil, you know, it's the, the weirdest juxtaposition in your head, but yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun season, and I learned a ton of stuff. I learned how to maintain gear and repair equipment and wire things, and yeah, it was, it was just a crucible of, of uh, fun stuff to learn, so yeah, it was a neat time. Yeah. Did that for 11 years? Yes, yes. Then why in the world yeah. would you leave that <laughs> and move to the mountains? And, well, I left that and went to a church. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, the church I grew up in um, was moving from a facility, a small facility, and they bought 58 acres, and they were doing a 23-acre build. So 
it would be like building this half of Ponderosa camp all at once. Uh, so it was a 1800 seat auditorium, four other auditoriums, uh, office spaces, kids' classrooms, cafeterias, coffee shops, the whole thing all at once. It's a $33 million project, I think it ended up being. Um, and they didn't have anybody that knew tech at all. And they're like, we need just somebody to come do stuff. Well, it, it's, it's your normal church thing. When you start doing one thing, you get off into other things. And by the middle of the job, I was the site representative for the church. So I was picking which lock went in what door and what, you know, like all kinds of weird stuff. But basically, I transitioned out of the studio to there because um, I wasn't seeing my kids. Um, I wasn't seeing them grow up. Um, yeah, this, this is the hard part of the studio. <laughs> Something you love so much um, can become an addiction to the point where you lose a lot of other things. Um, and I had spent so much time at work. I was living in Riverside, commuting to Santa Monica, so that's an hour and a half drive in and back. Um, and then 12, 14-hour days were normal. Um, so wasn't seeing my kids, and uh, I got to the point where I was like, this, this isn't worth it. My family's way more fun. Um, I need to be there for my kids. I need to be at the ball games. I need to be at the school events. And the church job showed up at the most crazy time in my life. And to be in something that took so much energy to build that church and time but they were right there with me the whole time through. They'd show up on site with their scooters and we'd go around and pick up nails. And you know, it was just, it was so much fun to just build something with them. The, to this day, they talk about running around underneath all the stage and, you know, pulling wire with me. And like, dude, I remember when we, we took all the motorcycles and we rode them right through the middle of the sanctuary? You know, it was all concrete. You know, it's like, they, they remember that still. And it's those, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. You know, and it was, uh, God is, um, if you trust him and you listen to him, he rewards and just kind of blesses you in weird ways you don't expect. And um, in doing that church, I gave up something that was so crucial to me, but I learned such an amazing thing in like just being with my family and, and doing something that was completely out of service for him and then completely came back around and that recording thread has happened every single job I've ever had. And when I get to the church and we get the church built, they're like, we really want to do music ministry and start a studio. And I'm like, this is really weird. You've never, ever talked about this, you know? And then I get up here and, and, yeah, to pivot to how I got here. Sure, why don't you okay. tell us how you yeah. got up here, Rob? There you go. Yeah. Um, I got a phone call, and they're like, hey, we have this recording studio, and we want to turn it into like a legit recording studio. We want people to come up and record year-round. When people tell you that, usually it's a microphone in a closet about that big, you know, and, and they go, oh, we've got a recording studio. I walked into this room over here, and I was like, whoa, like, this is a decent room. Like, we could do stuff with this thing. And um, started talking, and at that point, Lenny Harris was senior director of uh, program, and 
he heard about the church thing and, and the building and that. And then I was running at that point was running a technical team of about 70 people, um, through all the different rooms and the weekends and that kind of thing. And he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, you do that too. And I go, well, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a pro at it, but I, I get by, you know, we, we have service. And, and then that was it. That was, we drove, we left the hill and we're out at the Y as we're headed down the thing. And my kids go, Dad, if you don't move here and take this job, we're going to move here without you. <laughs> and and this, the, my, my 12-year-old son and 10-year-old son. And the, nec- the next time we come, Lenny's no dummy, by the way. Next time we come up, he has them on the giant swing, and it's fisherman's retreat, and they're out in the boat catching trout, and they're all thing. And, and it was, we go to leave, and my kids are like, you can go home. We'll take the bus, you know, in a couple months. I was, I was like, okay. And my wife goes, look, if we miss this, like if we miss this time with our kids, um, that is one thing Hume really blesses a family with is just that we're home every day for lunch, noon to one. You're home every dinner. They can come see you at work. We can work together on things. And to do something for God's kingdom alongside your family is one of the coolest blessings ever. It's just, it's just rad. I, I, it's hard to describe, you know, it's been good. So what year was that that you, that you decided, okay, I'm going to yep. move to Yume, take the position. Yeah. Where, where, what timeline? Is that I was, um, it was my last church service was July 1st, 2012. And my first day at Hume was July 2nd, 2012. <laughs> and, and I jumped <laughs> for any of you who have been up at Hume during the summer, uh, arriving in July, and taking over a technical team in the midst of summer, I had no idea what program was. I didn't know it was a department. I had no idea. I didn't know any staff member. I'd never been to Hume prior to doing that job interview. Never attended camp here. Never heard of it. Nothing like that. Like it was, it was the weirdest thing in the world to show up. And the, all this stuff is happening. I'm like, what did I just walk into? Like the, it's just crazy. People are jumping off the roof in chapel and swinging across things and fires coming out. I was like, holy cow, what's going on here? You know, it was just, it was really, really fun. And my kids were in heaven. I mean, they're at bike jump and snack shop and they're, you know, running around. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a very, very fun arrival. <laughs> it was super cool. Yeah. Cool. Rob, so so many times we we love the openers. We we watch the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, walk us through a little bit of how does that how does that journey begin to to when the first day of camp happens and there it is with the fire and the lights and the and all of the yeah. the amazing thing that is Hume Lake Christian Camp. Mm-hmm. Walk us through just kind of how does that happen here? Yeah, um, it starts. So, uh, this a little bit of this is new to me because I've, I've recently kind of taken on a little more of the creative side of things and working with the camp directors. Um, in the past, I've been purely tech, which is coming at a later point. Um, but yeah, the the to get to the first day of summer starts on the previous first day of summer, essentially. Um, so. That whole summer, we meet with all the youth pastors that come through 
junior high, high school wagon train and talk with them about what their kids need, right? And it's the whole reason we do this is because we want to reach kids where they're at. Um, we take all of that information from the youth pastors and then right around end of uh, September, we get done with a uh, country fair and that. Um, all the camp directors and creative staff kind of hide away in a cabin for about a week. And the first week is all about what Bible story we want to tell. The gospel will always be there. The gospel message and Christ's salvation, Jesus' sacrifice for us, that is pivotal every time. Outside of that, we'll take, this year it was the story of Moses and how he interacted with the, the character of Christ all the way through that. So he told that story through the eyes of Moses. Um, that's the first week, and that's the most important part. Um, I've heard people up here, and this is, this is something I will carry on to my last day here. There are three C's that happen when we are communicating the story. We will tell the gospel carefully, we will tell the gospel clearly, and we will tell the gospel creatively. But these first two are the priority. The creative is always, it's there. It's the, it's the piece that gets the kid's attention. But clearly and carefully are the first two, and they're most important. So that's that first week is making sure we do that. The second week after that, we'll take, and then we figure out how we're going to tell it. So Western, um, we've done 20s noir. We've done lumberjacks. We've done barnyard characters. We've done every number of weird, wild themes. Um, and from that point on, we start figuring out how we're going to... The rest of the camps show video, Meadow does live stuff, and then Wagon Train always wraps it in Wild West. But to do that film, we'll start writing a script, and to develop the script takes about two months. Somewhere there to write the script and get all the character development and the story, the gospel story woven in correctly and clearly. After that, we start making costumes and costumes and costumes and costumes. <laughs> I think there'll be some an amen from the crowd. Yeah, there's, yeah. The I mean, I see the yeah. sewers are here. There, it, is, it is costumes, props. Um, we have to go out and find locations to shoot things. Um, the year we did Pirates, we went to Catalina for three days. We went to Santa Cruz for five days. We went to Ensenada, Mexico, and shot on the boat that they used in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a landlocked boat that sits on the ocean um, for free through a friend of a friend who knew somebody. Um, I mean, we do that. It, the connections that God provides to some of this stuff, is it blows my mind. You know, Santa Cruz, we stayed at Mount Hermon, and we just shot on one of the beaches up the road, and um, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's crazy how stuff comes together, and it's, it's one of the coolest parts about what I get to see is, is that God's provision through all of this to make the story come to life for the campers. It, it is just, yeah, we've had people tell us that are like in the major film industry, and they're like, there's no way there's no way you shot this for five thousand dollars. Like, yeah, yeah, we did all total everything. That's all of it. You know, it's just it's crazy. It's it's through volunteers, just tons and tons of volunteers. And the sets that's going in there, like 
there's no way that stuff gets built without people just passionate about it. And it's it's such a blessing to see all the different pieces of the body of Christ come together with so many different skill sets uh, to make this stuff happen. And it's just, it's really amazing. Yeah. How long is it going to take the, that set build piece of it? So you've got videos yeah. being shot, now yep. theme, stage. Yep. What's that? process yeah so film we'll we'll go shoot the summer film generally takes anywhere from two to three weeks of filming and we'll drive to different locations at different times it's usually really long days 8 a.m to about midnight one o'clock in the morning um and uh because you have your day shots that you can get plus you can always get your night shots at the same time if you hustle um and uh so yeah, about two, three weeks of filming, and then it goes into edit, and so the film director will edit it all out. Usually takes month and a half, six to six to eight weeks, if we're lucky, to completely edit and cut all the video together. Um, I'm the sound nerd, so I bury myself in the studio and do all the dialogue cutting of all the different words so everybody can hear everything clearly, and then once dialogue's done, we start making sound effects where we'll, you know, walk in pits of gravel and, you know, throw things on the ground to kind of make the sounds that you see because those aren't always caught. A lot of them are made up. Um, and then we have a composer, three or four different composers that are freelance, and they'll write music for it at the same time. Um, so a lot of them just donate their time. They do stuff for people all over the place, and, and uh, they'll write full scores of music to it, and then we mix it all together, and hopefully three weeks before summer it's all done uh, occasionally we've done it the night before um that's not my favorite thing to do but um, we aim for trying to be done about three weeks before and then because three weeks before camp is when opener rehearsal and practice starts and that's when that's when the camp directors start coming up with really cool ideas of like uh, hey what if we made it rain in chapel and i'm like well Okay, it's, we got a week and a half before first show. How do we make it rain in chapel and not ruin the carpet and not soak everybody to where they're miserable? And so, yeah, it's fun. That that's the cool stuff. It's like, is the 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 wows. You know that that the the whole point of the opener. I don't know if anybody's ever said this before, but I I was always told Jay Johnson and Derek Gear and Rich Baker and the guys that. I am blessed to walk in their lineage and be taught by them. Um, the whole point of that opener, we put a ton of effort and time into that, is just to get the kid that comes up that's like this, like, ah, Christian camp again. <sighs> and then the first firecracker goes off and he goes, what? Like this? Like this? And then, you know, then the motorcycle comes whizzing down the center aisle, and he's like, what's going on there, you know? And then, and by the end of this thing, he's drawn in, and he's paying attention to the story, and we at least have his attention. And, it, and it's the, the, the element of surprise just catches people in a different place, and just goes, okay, something's happening here. Let me tell you this story. And then we can just take that story and just go, this is the gospel. This is what Christ did for you. And here we're gonna go, so yeah, that's why we why we burn the hours on those. <laughs> Fun, <laughs> fun. Winter theme is this winter is. Yeah. Just give us a quick thirty <laughs> second view of garden gnomes. Yes, yes. It's a yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're doing garden gnomes. Makes perfect sense, right? It sounds like a Bible story. Um, 
it is the story of Jonah um, told through the lens of garden gnomes. So Jonah is Jojo, uh, the head garden gnome in the front yard. So the gardener, the person that lives in the house, the front yard is immaculate, perfect. Those gnomes, they love the gardener, and they are just in perfect sync. Everything he puts in the yard, they take care of, trim. All the Ninevites live in the backyard. And anything that the gardener puts in the backyard, he they destroy. So they just, you know, he puts in a nice fountain and they, you know, knock it over and just so Jonah, obviously the Jojo of the front yard is supposed to go to the backyard gnomes and tell them, hey, God's God wants you to wake up, you know? And so that's that's the story. That's where we're headed. So if you if you take a look in there, uh, pop your head in the chapel, um, you can kind of see it split down the middle. So the left half of the stage is going to be perfect, and the right half of the stage is going to be pretty pretty mangled. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we're headed with this one. So whole story of Jonah. Fun, fun. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask: Are we allowed to talk about the summer theme yet? <laughs> because it's like from the day I started in 2017, it was like the world's biggest secret had to be the summer theme. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. Rob, what's the summer theme? Can you tell us? I got a milkshake coupon. Yeah, <laughs> mm, I might be bought off for that. Those black cherry ones are pretty good. Um, yeah, so we we just actually two weeks ago, we met and we revised some stuff. We were headed in one direction, and there were a lot of things that just weren't lining up with it. And uh, so we just recently pivoted. Um, I don't have a title yet. We're doing the book of John. So that's the, the gospel. And that's the main chunk that we're taking out of John. Um, Sarah has the theme verse and I don't have it memorized yet. I could for tell God you. so loved the world. <laughs> <laughs> always, always perfect. Um, the rapper that we're putting it in this year, uh, this is probably all I can say because it's, it's still under development, so I don't want to say anything wrong. But at this point, it's kind of 70s superheroes. So think Batman and Robin, old school, like 70s in the Bronx kind of street setting. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Please repeat after me. <laughs> I promise <laughs> that I will not tell anyone... <laughs> What the summer theme is going to be? Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to get in trouble with the camp directors. <laughs> exactly. Trust me. <laughs> uh, yeah. How about you yeah. guys? Do you have a, uh, anything you want to yeah. ask Rob? I, I'm going to put him totally on the spot now. All good. And, and let him let you ask. Go ahead. Yeah. The western one, Gyra. Yeah, we went a few places. Uh, down a good chunk of it was Southern California. Uh, in Barstow, there's a camp called Ironwood, um, and they are full-blown wild, wild west. Uh, they, we shot a good chunk there. Um, all of the outdoor camp scenes were all done there. Um, there is a really, really cool film set uh, called White Horse Ranch um, out it's past Joshua Tree in Southern California. And then all those red cliffs with the painted red cliffs and stuff, that's all... Um, uh, shoot, I'm not going to quite remember. 
it's it's Southern California and it's just north of Palm Springs, Lancaster, not Lancaster, but it's right in there. It was most of it was Southern California, desert out that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyone else? Don't feel like you have to. Yeah. We won't. Rob, thanks. My pleasure. For me, Rob is yeah. the guy. When we begin to think about dinners in the spring, mm-hmm. Rob and I sit down with usually someone else from program, and we start just dreaming. Uh, and it's fun to have the guy, hey, Rob, can we do this? And he's like, yeah, but you got to buy these lights that do. And he gives us the technical term, and we just go, you mean the ones that do this? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. it but uh, yeah, I, you can't, I can't tell you how much we appreciate the behind-the-scenes stuff that Rob does. Mm. I mean, to know that when you step on stage, all the stuff that's happened to make your voice come out right or to see the lights at the right time, the fog at the right time, the, the video at the right time, the right... All those details. I mean, it was it, it was fun to watch Rob. At those of you that came to Country Fair, uh, and, and I told Rob Matt Redman wanted to use the studio Saturday afternoon. I, he was like, I could give him a milkshake coupon now, and it would mean nothing compared to the look on Rob's face. That he's like, I get to I get to mess with the knobs. It was a really Matt good Red- day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very it was a fun band. And I think he recorded yeah. like three tracks, right? Three brand new Matt Redman songs, three de- them demos. So I was sitting there with the engineer, and the engineer goes, nobody's heard these yet. And I was like, that's a fun day. That's yes. a cool day. Cool. So, Rob, thank yeah. you. My pleasure. Uh, thank you. Appreciate. Yeah. And of course, yeah. you know, <laughs> take Kareem. I will. And, and yeah. since you guys won the Milkshake Coupon t-shirt last yes. at the virtual yes. thing, so I'm not going to give you one for her because she no. has the t-shirt. Yeah. She, she does, she she does really well with that. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, I, I will, will tell you this. She gives probably 90% of those away. She, she gave sure them to her staff. Does. That's <laughs> like Doug Credit tells me. They're in my wallet. I'm giving them away. Cameron, you have a question for Rob. Oh, okay. Oh, my best, oh yeah. So I grew up in the 80s. Um, at one point, my hair went out about four inches and down like this, and it curled back around the back of my head. And, and, it, and it, I used so much hairspray that I could put a peanut on it and go like this, and it would shoot the peanut off. <laughs> I was a kid of the 80s. Yes, fully, fully a kid of the 80s. I wasn't allowed to have long hair, so I had to have weird hair. Yes. Yeah. So, Rob, thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. We appreciate the work yeah. you do. Thank Would you me. give Rob a hand for what he does here at Eum Lake Christian Camp? Well, there's one other interview we wanted to do tonight. Um, I invited the interim SoCal director uh, to join me here on stage, and, and I was in a dilemma because I f- keep referring to myself now in the third third person, and I was thinking this afternoon, how do I do this? Do I sit in this chair to ask the question and move over to this chair to answer? Do I, and I decided to forget any of that. Just uh, I thought it'd be fun just to talk just briefly about SoCal. Um, and then I'm just going to give you a chance to ask some questions about it because I, I, it's new to me. I've been there 30 days ago. They asked me, actually I volunteered uh, to, to go to SoCal uh, because I, I, had a, I had a passion for five years. Uh, this is the end of my fifth year at Hume Lake. And for those five years... I've represented Hume, uh, represented Dathan when we travel. Uh, I've come to vision dinners uh, every summer. You know, Hank Vanderhorst will take me out to the spot in Meadow Ranch where he met Gail like 200 years ago, right? When she was a newborn. 
And but I mean, so so and I've represented Zoom, and, and I talk about openers, and I talk about planning and program and and food service and the construction projects and a capital campaign, and we need new dorms because we're renting trailers and 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 all of those things for the last five years. And it's been an amazing journey that as as uh, Vince heard today in the board meeting to realize how God's provided financially for this organization. And to be honest with you, there are times in my head that I felt a little guilty because I never came to Yumele Christian Camps as a camper. I came to one adult conference, a pastor's conference in 1996. And the only memory I have of that weekend was Howard Hendricks was the speaker, which was phenomenal. That's why we came was to hear Howard because he had trained the greats in my generation, the guys we looked up to, the Chuck Swindolls, the, I mean, the Wolfords, the, I mean, the, the giants of the faith, Howard had spoke. I remember about three things that he said about being a pastor and what it was like to teach those guys. And, and so we came to that. I remember that moment. It was in the chapel. And I remember I about was asked to leave because I got into a fight with three other pastors in a basketball game in the ark. That was my sum total of my Yuma experience. It's hard to, to be in development and say, well, I about got kicked out of camp the one time I came. So I don't tell that story very often, so you're also sworn to secrecy in that tonight. Don't tell Dathan. But I, it, it started to dawn on me as the last, really the last 18 months, that I, I don't know that I can't speak from experience what we do. I mean, I intellectually know because I've had to learn it. And so when SoCal, when, when Brad decided and Lenny decided to retire and Dathan began to look for a director, the Lord began to stir in my heart, man, we have so many ministry partners in Southern California. And for me to get to see them or to see if Tim's working and Dave's working down in SoCal, I've got to get on. It takes an hour and a half to get to the 99, and then from the 99 to Southern California. And I began to think, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could have an office down there? That began the seed. And then as God began to lay it on my John, you need to learn at the grassroots ground level what is Hume Lake Christian Camp? More than the theme, more than the openers, more than those kind of things. But what's it? How do, you, how do you get kids to come to a camp that doesn't exist yet? Fortunately, the brand is well-known in Southern California. People know you and Lake Christian Camps. But what, what is it, the, how do you market for that? How do, you, how do you fill beds? How do you, what's food service look like? I mean, it's fun to get you guys to meet Carl and, and all that, but well, you heard Rob, the details the minutia that goes into just the opener. Well, what's it like? How do you feed people? What if Cisco doesn't show up? What then? What if stuff breaks? How much damage do kids really do to buildings? I've been here five years, and I've never been in Buck Rock, which I hear a lot about from alumni and people who have stayed in Buck Rock, but I've never been in there because life's been busy. And it's like, 
God began to stir in me to say, you know what, you need to know that. I, have a, I, I want you to know it. So I opened my big mouth first to my wife. I said, Lynn, what do you think? Because life in the last four years has been, on a personal level, kind of a whirlwind journey of life for us. And then the development stuff has been amazing and what God's doing in that. So I felt like I wasn't busy enough. And so I said to Lynn, I said, what do you think? What? I don't know why this is eating at me, but it is. And she looked at me like, I'm not leaving. I said, okay, why not just let it go? Because Dathan had some other ideas of who, you know, who's going to step into that role. And one by one, those ideas said no. God closed the door to those at this point in time. And Dathan came back to me and said, John, were you serious when we talked about it? I said, well, I was. My better half needs a little more convincing or a little more just time, I think, just to think about it. So about a month went by, and, and she goes, you know, I think you're right. I think you need to do this. So I said, let's do it this way. I go down to Southern California for two weeks and come back to Yuma for one. So for the last 30 days, with the exception of 10 days in New England, because that was already on the docket. And so it's, I wanted to learn. What is, what's it like? What, what's, it's an amazing place. Green Valley, Chuck Smith, who was the pastor at Calvary Costa Mesa, um, if you don't know who he was, uh, was one of those, I, I would say he was, if in the last 50 years of evangelical ministry, he would be on Mount Rushmore. Chuck would be one of those guys. Came to know Christ on the beaches of California, the Jesus People movement out of the 60s. Led many, many people to Christ. We were in Israel two and a half years ago. We go to the baptism of the Jordan River, and guess who built the baptism of the Jordan River? Chuck Smith. Uh, and, and our tour guide, as we get to talking, you know, he was a, a Jew from New York City who moved to Israel and started leading these tours from this guy in California who was like really nutty in his mind. And over the course of three years, Chuck leads our tour guide to Christ. Uh, and just and so Chuck had these these plans and he built things. He was a builder and a visionary. And so he, he wanted to build a camp, a place where the Calvary Chapel churches could attend camp. So they bought from the Boy Scouts 400 acres between Big Bear and Arrowhead in the San Bernardino Mountains. Uh, it's off of Green Valley Lake Road. There's 400 acres that sit up there. It was a Boy Scout camp, but Chuck bought, convinced her however God worked, and he said, I want to build a camp for the Calvary Chapel students as a retreat center or pastors or whatever God was wanting to use it. It was his dream and his vision, and he, he built a perfect replica of a log cabin village. So if you think log cabin... 1,800 volunteers in, in the late 1990s built camp, girls' dorms, cabins, guys' cabins, chapel in the middle, great dining hall, recreation area, pool, a, a man-made pond, which we'll call the cove, 
and he had this dream of and, and eighteen hundred volunteers all by hand, hewn the wood, built the cabins, and it's it's a it's a spectacular scenic log cabin village in the mountains of San Bernardino. When the Lord called Chuck home, he um, the church, like all churches, as Dathan said last night, what the main thing being the main thing should be the main thing. The church realized the main thing is we're a church. We're not a camp. And so they began to pray about and say, who's Chuck's dream and his vision was for this place to be a camp where the gospel would be preached. Who in California or who in anywhere around the world is doing camp the way Chuck believed camp should be done? That it's going to be clear, the gospel. It's going to be creative, and it's going to be complete. You guys were listening. Good. And they, they approached Hume Lake in get my years right we took it over in january of 2020 so back in january of 2019 uh it was a phone call between their executive pastor and brad rose and it was a secret conversation that quite frankly i think only the two of them knew about this for probably six months as they were would you be interested well Yes, but we have this New England project we're in the middle of that is also important to us. And through the series of, of the journey, Brad and he decided, okay, let's bring Dathan into that conversation. So there was a period of time where it was Brad, the executive pastor of Calvary, and Dathan were the only three that knew, and they're, they're, I think their elder board was, knew what was going on as well. The conversation was happening. And that grew then to say, for them to say, what if, what if we didn't charge you to use the camp for a while? And that became really interesting because, hmm, it's, it's already built. It's done. The cabins are all there. Uh, it'll sleep 350 campers, 153 on the girl's side and 153 on the guy's side, that's 306, I guess, right? My Matt Vince, you're the banker, is that right? I had that right? And so the board then, Brad brought the Hume Blake board involved in that discussion. We began a whole six-month series of due diligence. How, what was the history? How many, how many Calvary churches were using it? And in its heyday, they were filling up the camp every weekend, almost year-round with Calvary Chapel churches that a rich history of what God was doing there. In fact, if you know uh, are familiar with the Pondy Band for All Seasons, that Ponderosa Summer Band that was here for a number number of years, the lead singer from that band came to know Christ at that camp. Uh, and so we did, you know, the due diligence was, okay, how could it fill? Would it fill? And it started for them as they as Chuck's vision faded with him, the church started to realize we're not a camp. We're not really sure how to do camp well. And it went from 300 a week to 280, 230, 100. And then there were weeks where there weren't anything going on at the camp. Weren't anything, wasn't anything going on at the camp. 
uh, and and so it they realized it's time for us to do something with it. They approached us. The board met in January of 2019 on site there and looked at what are maintenance needs, what are the what are the things that have deteriorated a little bit. It needs some TLC uh, because it hasn't been used the way it was meant to be used. And in January of 2019, the board agreed. 2020, January, it's 2020. The board agreed that, you know, let's let's see what we could do. And so it worked out a phenomenal lease. In fact, it's so incredible. They weren't going to charge us for the first year. They would start charging us the second year. And what they were going to charge us for the second year in total, 12 months lease, was less expensive than one week at San Diego Point Loma. And, and so you can just see God's, God's and, and I was part of those discussions and, and was at that board meeting. And it was, it was, I mean, it's like you couldn't say no to that when it all fell in place. And, and so we took it over in January of 2020, said we need to probably some time to get it ready, gear up for summer of 2020. And February 1st came or March 1st came and guess what? The world shut down. Calvary Chapel said to us, you don't have to pay us anything. Don't worry about it. Let's see what God's doing in this COVID world. So all of 2020 went by and we paid them nothing for the facility. We didn't use the facility either, but we moved in, took their staff on, moved them up here while we tried to integrate them into the Hume way and thinking we're still going to have summer, right, by 2020. That's got to be, we're going to have summer, right? And no, and you guys know all of that. But th their staff was here, came to the first year, January 2021. We were supposed to start paying rent. The lease, that was our first, that was the agreement. Calvary Chapel said, no, you lost a whole year. So let's not pay anything in 2021. Let's move that to 2022. And so we've been operating there uh, free um, from a lease perspective, and that'll kick in January 20, uh, 2022. Um, and it's, it's a, a beautiful property uh, that we'll, we had summer camp there last summer for uh, six of the eight weeks. We lost two weeks in Southern Cal, just like we did here at the lake. Uh, if you can't run camp safely with enough staff, you can't run camp. Um, and Dathan shared some of that story last night. I won't go into that. But that's Yume SoCal, then as God's laid it on my heart, that's where I've been. Uh, and I'll be there for at least the next six months, which gives Yume some runway to begin to find the right person to sit in that seat on a full-time basis. But for me, I'm learning um, how do you get set ready? How do you, how do you take Pondy Chapel build and bring it into the Yume SoCal Chapel and build it? What's that look like? Who's my program person? Uh, I, I, just things I didn't know. So Annalisa is my program person, and she'll have a partner with her this winter camp down there. And so we had no sales yet. So we opened up sales, and, and that's the world. I, I love that side of it. So we have uh, nine, 690 beds left of the 2,400 for winter camp. And it's been fun to just engage that. But now I have a staff that's looking at me like, uh-oh, what's this guy going to do? 
We've been, they've been, and they've honestly, they've been bounced around a little bit. I mean, with COVID, Calvary leased it to us. Are they going to stay? Do they want me to stay? All the things you can imagine if someone would take over your business and send somebody from corporate down to, to get to know what's going on here. So that's, that's kind of my role. I've stepped into that. When Brad retired, Lenny retired, they was like, that was, they, they knew it was coming, but it always comes quicker than you think. And so they were surprised a little bit by that. And now I've shown up trying to get to know them and understand, did you know you have to order covers for the mattresses? I didn't know that. I do now. I can tell you what they cost. Uh, you know, we, what if the Lord doesn't provide snow for winter camp? Uh, Monday I've got to figure out how to make snow. Uh, that's Monday's task. Uh, I also get the privilege Monday of calling an organization that's coming as a guest group and who called Friday and said, we have a uh, young lady who identifies as a male. Uh, would it be okay if she comes and can you make separate arrangements for her to shower or him to shower? So I get to make that call on Monday uh, and have a great conversation with them, a chance to show the love of Christ to people that need to hear it. So for me, I'm, it's, it's though, I, though the, the faith side of me knows that, no, we're not making arrangements for that to happen. We, there's a whole theological, biblical reasons that I want to pound the pulpit and say, no, we're not going to do that. But I'm looking forward to having the conversation and be able to be Christ witness to them in front of them in that, in that opportunity, which I've never done here at Hume Lake. Um, so it's, I'm learning quickly uh, the things that need to be done. Um, we'll be ready to go. I told the team down there, February, or February, December 22nd is my drop-dead date that the stage will be built, the program will be done, because I'm committed that we're ready spiritually to fight the battle that's coming in January. Because we have the privilege of dealing with those young ladies who identify as young men. What an opportunity. I, I mean, I want to make sure we're ready as a team in SoCal for what that's going to be. I, I got a great report that we'll be sharing here over the next couple of months of what we learned in the summer, but the, the CPS cases. Now, I was a, told you I was a junior high principal in a previous life, and I know what CPS cases can be. And, you know, when I was doing it in the 80s and 90s, we'd have two a year. You know, we're having more than that a day uh, at camp. And what a privilege it's going to be to to be there in, in the trenches for a season to learn really what is it about what we do. Uh, and I'm excited about that, to come out of that season. I don't know what all God's going to teach me in the next six months. I'm looking forward to it. My wife's much more this tomorrow, I think, Lord willing, she's going to come down with me next week uh, because there's some other reasons for her and, and our son to be here. Uh, that's, that's not a marital issue, to make that clear. Uh, um, but she'll stay here so we keep some medical things on, on track with, with Jesse. But um, they're both coming down next week, and it'll be her first chance to see and meet the team down there. Uh, and, and one of the, the, the affirmations for me that really pushed me over the edge is I sat down with my development team. I said, guys, I, I, I got this harebrained idea, which they're getting kind of used to. Uh, what do you think? And unanimously, each one of them affirmed that, you know what, that would be a great thing. It would be a great thing for us in development 
It'd be a great thing for the organization for us to see it from that perspective. So that's uh, just kind of a quick report. Not quick, I'm long-winded apparently, it's 8.30. But uh, that's kind of Yum SoCal, how I ended up there as the camp director. I promise I won't say that in the third person any longer. I am the interim camp director in Yum SoCal for the next six months uh, and wearing the Yum chief development officer hat all at the same time, planning dinners that are coming your way in February. We're doing uh, 19 dinners and lunches this year from San Diego to Castro Valley, Sacramento, back down to Fresno, Bakersfield, Visalia, and every location's in between. Uh, so we'll do that during the weeks, and then I'll run back down to SoCal for winter camps uh, that go on on the weekends down there. It, it's exciting what God's doing. I, I'm, it's, it's fun to see, you know, we're selling guest groups the Monday to Friday between winter camps because there's a, there's a desire, the, the pent-up desire in SoCal. We start telling churches, because they keep saying to us, we can't afford to rent buses for two nights to come to you, but you're only 90 minutes from us. That's an easy decision for churches to make and an opportunity to minister to kids that way. So that's you and SoCal. Can I answer any questions for you about the, the location of SoCal? Yes, sir. Well, right now, we decided not to terminate it, but kind of mothball it or put it on hold for a season. Uh, Point Loma, in, in all of these, as we were getting ready to try to figure this out, what do we do with Yuma San Diego and a camp? In the middle of that, Point Loma came to us and said, the Nazarene denomination wants to use our facility in the middle of when you were doing camp. So you can't have it for these two weeks in the middle of summer. And just another affirmation that God said, well, let's, let's set it over here for now. Not saying we'll never go back to the UM San Diego model, but for now, let's, we're focused in at the camp in SoCal. Yes, sir. There's not an officially approved piece of that yet. Um, that would be the desire, I think, once we own the facility. Well, that's the other piece I didn't tell you about the lease. Um, if we owned the facility, I think there would definitely be a, you would see a master plan, a ministry plan, what's SoCal ministry, how's it dovetail into the lake, New England, all of that piece, and some of that's coming soon. But um, it's not... The best way I can describe facility-wise, it's a perfect middle school camp. So there, everything's bunk beds. So it makes it a little difficult to have couples, uh, conferences in bunk beds. There's, and they're a little bit they're twenty, They're pods of 26. Uh, and so uh, right now the plan is let's stay with the camp and guest group model. Uh, the lease that we signed is a five-year lease. Uh, Locked-in price for the five years we have an option for a second five-year lease, and they also wrote it in that we have the right of first refusal to purchase the property if they choose to sell it at some point in time. So, I mean, it's, it's God's hand in writing that journey is just beginning, and man, is it a, it's a fun time to be there. Other questions about the campus? Connie. A milkshakes, $3.95 at this um, I can't remember, Vince. Do you remember? Is there? Is, does the lease have? I don't. 
I think there's a there's a no more than price when we when they actually get the negotiating of that. There's a I think it's a no more than I want to say five million dollars for four hundred acres. Think about that in Southern California for a minute. So it's no more. It's a, a, a five million is the number I have in my head. It's kind of the ceiling if I can say it that way. That's purchase. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Other questions that I can answer for you? I would invite you on December 29th, if you live in Southern California, we're going to do a Winter Wonderland open house uh, at Yume SoCal. Um, the ice rink will be set up. The toboggan runs, if the Lord provides snow, or I figure out how to make snow Monday, um, we'll have snow. Uh, there'll be a train for kids. It, it's kind of that day between Christmas and New Year, right? Christmas happens, excitement, toys, all the things of, and then the, you're sick of the kids in the house by Wednesday, the 29th. Uh, so we thought how fun it would be just to, for ministry partners, friends of the camp, pastors, alumni, just because we haven't really shown the camp off much at this point in time. So it'll be a chance you get a chance to see the, the full, what's the set look like here versus SoCal. It'll be done by then. Um, so that's December 29th. So you're welcome uh, 10 to 10 in the morning till late at night. Uh, the coffee shop will be done and open by then. The porch, uh, some things that we're doing, getting ready for winter camp. So it'll be an open house then. So feel free to come to that. Um, yes, sir. Yes, uh, we've already started the social media side of it for the, so the Yume social media pages. We'll do an email blast of that. I'm going to shoot a little video coming up that we will send to the churches. I have the list. I got the list last week of all the churches who have been to Yume here that haven't come back that are in. For me, I draw the line Santa Barbara, Palmdale, Lancaster, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and South. So that's kind of the what, what I envision would would be a radius that people would be willing to come to SoCal uh, that way. So, uh, we're, yes, to answer your question simply, yes, broadly as as much we can. We launched uh, this week. Actually, Monday we'll launch a new Yume alumni Facebook page. So if you've ever worked at Yume Lake Christian Camps, you'll be able to sign up for that Facebook page, and it'll be just that kind of information, just another avenue to communicate. Um, What's going on? Anything else I can answer for you? Oh, yeah. The same theme, yes. So we'll do gnomes, garden gnomes. Um, this will be my first time through, so I'm too big to be a gnome. I know that. I may inject myself just for fun, but uh, they... Junior hires don't want to see me on stage. They want Annalisa and college students that they relate to and, and can connect with them in the dorms. And that's part of the fun of why we do films the way we do them as staff, that they're going to be, they'll see them on stage. They'll do rec with them, all those kind of things. So they don't want the old guy in that. And unless they're looking for Goliath sometime future for David. But that's about the only. So, yes, the answer is that, yes. Uh, Rob's coming down, I think, 
second week in December, right? Two-week set build plan down there. This will be the first set we've ever built down there, so I'm looking forward to pioneering that uh, with them as we put up the LED wall and figure out power and lights and all that kind of stuff. If many of you know Bob Mall uh, here at the lake, fire chief, owns a cabin here at the lake. Bob's my compadre in SoCal, uh, which is really fun. I didn't realize this at the time. I knew Bob grew up in that area. He graduated from Rim of the, Rim of the World High School. And something I've learned is mountain people trust mountain people. Mountain people don't really necessarily trust me. I have to earn that over time. Bob grew up there. So when he talks about the A&W Rupert stay at a crest line that he went to as a kid with the local lumber guy, the next thing you know, they're having a 40-minute conversation about some teacher at Rim of the High High School from 1976, and I'm just sitting there smiling. But God's provided Bob to come along, and so fire, Bob was a fire commander down there. That was his work career before he retired, so he knows all the firemen that are down there. And so when we, you know, Bob, I'm learning about EMS and water, and San Bernardino County charges you to buy the drain, when, uh, the utility bills, and... We have mice at times. How do you get rid of those? I, you put it by a little mousetrap, right? No, that's not if you have 400 acres of mice at times. It's not that bad. But, you know, so I'm learning those kind of things. That was really what I, what I want to know. Well, I'm standing between you and snacks and games. Mike Drake. Oh, yes. I can go another hour because you gain an hour of sleep tonight. So, well, let me sit back down and tell you a little bit more about SoCal. I can tell you about development, the dinners that's coming up. We're, we're really, uh, the dinner theme this, this year is going to be, I tried to, try to thumb, we created, we tried State of the Union. It, it, it never quite rolls off the tongue the way I'd hoped. And, and then I realized in our t current political environment, State of the Union, uh, forget that. But that's really what it's, the dinners will be this year, uh, just a little more detailed of what, how's you come through uh, the last 20 months. A little, bit, a little bit of what you heard Dathan last night, but some more specific details. And then what are the needs coming out of this into 2022? Uh, so the board approved our proposals today, uh, which is good news. And so you'll get to hear what are the things that are going to be happening here at the lake, New England, SoCal, as as that's moving us forward that way. Last chance. I see a question in your eyes. No? All right. If that's what's tonight. Is that what you guys made today? Rice Krispie tweets for tonight? Well, I had two today. So they're as good as today's. That's good news. Super. Any other questions I can answer for you, feel free to grab me one-on-one, -on -one and I'll be glad to answer any of those things uh, that I can answer for you. It's my desire, and I'm, one of the things I am committed to is the issue of transparency and what we do. Um, one of the things that, that I've learned in the donor world, the development world of the last year, 18 months, 20 months, is I, you have, I want you to know how we invested the dollars you've invested here and the importance of that uh, at whatever level, as much or as little detail as you want, uh, we're committed to telling you what those are. Um, 
So if you want to know the lease price of SoCal, I'd be glad to share. I mean, it's, I want to, that is our desire, uh, is to really be transparent what God's doing, because it's an amazing, amazing story of what God's doing, and you've played an important part of that as ministry partners. That's all I have. There's snacks waiting over in Ponderosa and Games. Because you gain an hour tonight, don't forget, we fall back. We spring forward, but to this is fall. November, we fall backwards. So really, it's only 7.41 right now. So stay up late, play games, have a cup of coffee, because it's early, right? Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys uh, over in Pondy Dining in a few minutes.